praise the Lord. Welcome. This is Dr. Ruth. We continue our study today in the Gospel of Matthew. We pick it up here in Matthew chapter 11. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We are making it through here slowly but surely. Okay, so we are in chapter 11. What is the gist of this chapter? The gist is that today we will learn how John the Baptist, a man who was filled with the Holy Spirit, even in his mother's womb, started to doubt the title of Jesus Christ. And the most interesting thing is that we will learn how the Lord responded to John the Baptist. There is a lot we will learn from the Lord's response. Okay. So let's get to it right away. I begin here with verse 1. Matthew 11 verse 1. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee, doing what he normally did, teaching and preaching about the kingdom of God. Verse 2. When John, this is referring to John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him. Let me pause there. I know I am speaking a little bit ahead of myself here. And when we get to um, chapter 14 in this same gospel of Matthew, we will gain more insight about uh, John the Baptist's imprisonment. But just a quick perspective, John the Baptist was a bold, fearless preacher, okay? He had directly spoken against King Herod's uh, infidelity of marrying his brother's wife. So because of John's accusation of Herod, he ended up in prison. So at this time, John the Baptist is already imprisoned. And um, so he had sent his disciples to ask Jesus this question. And here is the question. Are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Wow. Mm -hmm. Obviously, John the Baptist started to doubt. I'm sure he thought about, boy, did I miss this whole thing? I had lived a separated life. I was called to prepare the way for the Messiah. Why am I in prison? He must have been asking himself, if Jesus Christ is really the Messiah, why am I not out there preaching and preparing the way for him? Why am I in prison? Obviously, John would later realize that his ministry had come to an end because Jesus Christ was already out preaching the kingdom of God. But we will get more into that later on. But the point I'm trying to make here is that John the Baptist doubted. Surely, if John the Baptist, a man filled with the Holy Spirit, a man whom God had given a sign, remember during the Lord Jesus' baptism, okay? And uh, the Lord... God had revealed to John the Baptist that the Lord Jesus was the Messiah, the called one, the appointed one. And um, John the Baptist had been given the evidence. Okay. And we discussed this earlier during uh, the Lord Jesus' baptism. The Holy Spirit descended as a dove and landed on 
the Lord Jesus and John the Baptist saw all that. If this man could doubt because he was encased in a prison, surely anyone could doubt. We are not exempt from doubting God's word. But the problem is what we do with the emotion of doubt. And real quick, there are two major categories of doubt or doubting God's word. And for those of you interested, I have an entire two and a half hour CD teaching simply titled Overcoming Doubt. Powerful teaching that has been out for about four years. I really recommend you you listen to that to teach you really how to overcome chronic negative doubt and stand on God's word. But real quick, there is a good doubt, if I can say that. What do I mean? Like John the Baptist's case here was a good kind of doubt because he doubted and he directed the question straight to God, Jesus Christ God, and Jesus answered. And the good doubt would would cause you to raise questions and then you would search for the answers and then once you receive the answer you would receive that accept that and then that settles it that's what we will find out here about john the baptist because he had this doubt he chose to do something about it i.e he sent his disciples to go straight to the horse's mouth the lord jesus to ask the question directly and he got the answer that is a good doubt because it's just confusion in your mind. You just need clarity. And God appreciates that when we are in doubt about any doctrine, any teaching, to go to him directly, go to his word, pray to the Holy Spirit for clarity versus just uh, sit with the doubt and allow the enemy to use that and twist that into a bad negative doubt. And what is a bad negative doubt? This is doubting God's promises, even though you have the evidence. This is doubting God for who he says he is, even though he has revealed himself to you through Jesus Christ, through his revealed word, and has even sent his Bible teachers and pastors to explain and to teach you, and you continue to doubt. You doubt to the point where you refuse to believe. That is a bad doubt. Mm-hmm. A classic example could be the Bible says by his stripes you are healed. Do you believe that or do you doubt? Well, if you doubt that, it's okay, but you can do something about that. Get to the word of God, look for the evidence, change your thinking processes and allow the word of God to change your thinking. So that is really all I want to say about doubting. Like I said, please get that audio CD teaching. Visit our website, Dr. Ruth org and other that CD, I go into depth with regards to how to overcome the negative doubt. Okay, going back here to John the Baptist doubting, his disciples had asked Jesus, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Let us get into how the Lord Jesus replied because this is so deep, mm-hmm, yet so simple that if we are not careful, we could, we could miss this. Hello, friends. This is Dr. Ruth here. Thank you for joining me today. I would like to share with you our ministry offer that is available to you as a donation to this ministry throughout my teachings out 
of the Gospels. So I have two resources that I know will bless you tremendously because these two books have blessed hundreds of people. So the two books all have to do with the ministry of Jesus Christ. So the first one is titled, Who is the Real Jesus? And the second one is titled, Are You Moving Forward with Jesus? So for a ministry donation of $50 or more, this includes shipping and handling. If you live here in the USA, we will mail these two books to you today. Okay, it will provide added clarity, added teaching about the Gospels, the ministry of Jesus, the work of Christ. These are phenomenal resources that would add into the teaching here I'm doing in the Gospels and, and help you to really have a deeper revelation and walk with the Lord. So again, this comes to us as a donation and we thank you in advance for considering that. Again, the books are Who is the Real Jesus? And the other one is Are You Moving Forward with Jesus? For a ministry donation of $50 or more if you live in the USA. But if you cannot afford both books and you just want one, it's okay too. We thank you for your donation. So who is the real Jesus for a donation of $25 or more, including shipping and handling? And then the other book, Are You Moving Forward with Jesus, would be $35, including shipping and handling. We will mail these books to you today. The advantage of getting both books is that you would save $10, okay? So again, this ministry offer is only available for those who live within the USA because we cannot ship overseas. But if you live overseas and you're listening to me, you can get these books from Amazon. So here is how you can donate through us directly to get this book as a ministry offer. Our safe and secure website is drruthtanyi.org slash donate. Again, drruthtanyi.org slash donate. And then uh, if you live in the USA, we also receive donations through Zelle. And here's the telephone number for Zelle. 909-501-9031. Again, 909-501-9031. Nine zero three one, and then we also accept donations through Cash App, and the name there is the dollar sign Dr. Ruth Tanya. Or if you just want to bless us with it, a one-time donation to help us produce more teachings like this and pay for studio time, we thank you abundantly uh, from the bottom of our hearts. And God says thank you. And God is so faithful that he will bless you back abundantly, exceedingly. So I want to thank you in advance for purchasing this additional ministry resources to help you to gain a better revelation of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, we thank you. Here is the teaching. Verse 4, Jesus replied, Jesus told John the Baptist disciples, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. Verse 5, The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. 
Verse 6, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Glory to God. How profound is the Lord's response? What is the Lord Jesus doing? The Lord Jesus did not uh, uh, comfort John the Baptist by saying, Oh, I'm so sorry you don't trust me. Oh, never mind. It's going to be okay. Oh, just take your time. The Lord Jesus didn't do that kind of stuff that some, some people do today. What did the Lord Jesus do? The Lord Jesus, in his response to John's disciples, pointed John back to the evidence in the scriptures. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ just went on to explain all of the evidence, all of the works that had been prophesied that the Messiah would perform and accomplish during his reign. Did you get that? The Lord Jesus, in essence, pointed John the Baptist back to the word of God. Jesus was like, go back and study the scripture. Go back and look at the evidence. Go back and meditate on the evidence and you will find the answer right there. I just love it. Friend, is there something that you are believing God for today and you are doubting? The Lord Jesus is like, Go back to my word and look for the promises I have already revealed in the scriptures. You meditate on those promises. That is the answer. That is the solution for doubt. Mm -hmm. Because only the truth will overcome any negative doubting emotions that you may be having right now. Powerful, powerful response that the Lord Jesus gave there. And this does not only apply to Christians who are doubting or struggling to believe God's promises. This also applies to unbelievers, to those who are on the fence, if Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Jesus is like, go back to the scriptures. Today, as New Testament believers living in the 21st century, we have no excuse. We have the complete revealed word of God with all of the answers, all of the evidence of Jesus Christ. The fulfillment of scriptures, a hundred percent. If you are doubting, if Jesus Christ is the Messiah, there is a plethora of evidence to say yes, yes, and yes. And if you need help, I have a book titled, Who is the Real Jesus? You can contact the ministry, go to the website, and and get that simple book you can read in a day. It is easy read. It will really bless you. You know what? It's, it's titled Answers to 25 Questions About the Real Jesus. In that book, which is, I believe, less than 160 pages, I addressed 25 simple, straight to the point questions and I provided biblical answers about who Jesus Christ is. It is a powerful book. I recommend you get that. If you are doubting or if you just want to know more about the Lord Jesus, this book is not just for new believers or for unbelievers. It's also for you, the Christian, so you can have a deeper revelation about the ministry of Jesus Christ. It will really, really help you. Okay. 
So that was the Lord's response to John the Baptist, which is still the same. Let's move on here. Verse 7. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. Isn't it amazing how the Lord Jesus would speak highly about John only after his disciples had left? You know one possible reason? Like I said earlier, the Lord Jesus wanted to point John the Baptist to the hardcore scriptural evidence versus um, offering him some emotional uh, answer or some tap in the back that says, hey, John, you're highly honored prophet, da-da-da-da-da. Jesus pointed him to the evidence, evidence, facts. And now, after the disciples had left, the Lord Jesus will speak highly of John. The Lord continued. Now he is talking to the crowd. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? This is referring to the fact that the crowds were drawn to the wilderness to see John the Baptist. The Lord continued. A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Verse 9, then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. Verse 10, this is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Thus, that is self-explanatory. The Lord just said, yes, John the Baptist was indeed a prophet. A prophet of high caliber, high honor, who was the chosen one to prepare the way to be the forerunner for the Messiah. That is the person that you went to the wilderness to see. You didn't go there because of John the Baptist's nice clothing or his fashionable suit. You went there because he was a prophet of high caliber who was the forerunner. So we see here the Lord Jesus speaking highly of John the Baptist after the disciples had left. Verse 11, truly, this is the Lord continuing now, truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Whoa, you see? I just like the fact that the Lord Jesus didn't offer all this emotional uh, comfort to John the Baptist. He comforted him with evidence. Friend, the emotional ways that we want to comfort people, to make people feel good, this feel good thing, there is a place for that. But honestly, what really helps people over time or what really lasts is evidence, hardcore evidence. Not the emotional ways to make people feel good temporary. That has a place. But when people are between a rock and a hard place, they need hardcore evidence that God is with them. That God loves them and point scriptures to them. Which is why in my own ministry, if I have to, to, to really give words of comfort to someone, I always do my best to leave them with a the scripture they can stand by when I'm gone. People need something to stand on, the word of God, not just emotional flattering. That doesn't last, but the word, word of God endures forever. 
That's what we see the Lord Jesus doing here. Reminding John of the word of God, which has a permanent enduring ability to last versus just emotional flattering. Okay. So the Lord Jesus just said that there is no one who is greater than John the Baptist. He was considered by the Lord Jesus as the greatest. Keep this in perspective, which means greater than Moses, mm -hmm. greater than Elijah, who did all the miracles, greater than Joshua, who led the second generation Israelites into the promised land. The Lord said among all the, the prophets, John the Baptist was numero uno, number one. Yet the Lord continued, whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Whoa, that may sound contradictory. No, the Lord just said that John the Baptist is above and beyond all the other prophets. But now he just said whoever is least in the kingdom is greater than John. Why? What the Lord is teaching here is the fact that John the Baptist was the greatest. He had the greatest position as a forerunner. Way more than Moses and Elijah and Abraham and Joshua. But the Lord went on to say whoever is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John. Implying that John the Baptist will not live long enough to see firsthand the evidence of Jesus' ministry, his death, burial, and resurrection. Anyone in the kingdom of God who lived enough to see that, who is has a revelation knowledge like you and I do today of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, we are greater in that regard because of our first-hand experience with the Lord. That's really what that sentence is implying. We go to verse 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, until now referring to during Jesus' Jesus's ministry, and actually this uh, will continue until the Lord Jesus comes a second time, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence and violent people have been raiding it. There are a couple of ways Bible scholars have have applied this uh, scripture. Number one could mean that uh, John the Baptist uh, exerted or displayed a lot of force to take the kingdom of God because of, because of a lot of opposition. Others say that this could mean that the kingdom of God requires a lot of, uh, the kingdom of God suffers a lot of opposition and persecution uh, from uh, dark forces. Either way, in my view, is saying the same thing. Uh, we need to take the kingdom of kingdom of God by force because there is always uh, darker forces fighting us. There are always demonic forces uh, coming at us. The kingdom of God is not something that we just passively just relax and say, let your will be done. We have to go at it with force and, and take it. And of course, like I said earlier, as New Testament believers, the kingdom of God indwells us. We are the kingdom of God because the Holy Spirit indwells us. Okay. So really all this means is that when we are attempting to live godly lives, appropriating God's promises and blessings in our lives, a lot of times it's not easy because there are darker forces that will fight us, but we have to be steadfast because the Lord Jesus has 
overcome the battle for us. Verse 13, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come, whoever has ears, let them hear. Now, the Lord Jesus is not saying that uh, John the Baptist is a type of resurrected Elijah. No, what the Lord Jesus is teaching is that uh, John the Baptist had taken over the role of Elijah as a prophet, as a fearless, bold uh, prophet who spoke righteousness, who stood for righteousness and faced a lot of opposition, yet spoke boldly against sin. So that is what the Lord is saying, that John the Baptist is a type of Elijah. And and the Lord would always say, whoever has ears, let them hear. He is not referring to our physical ears, okay? He is referring to our spiritual hearts, our ability to open our hearts to receive the message that God is teaching. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Even today, I say the same thing. If you want to listen, listen. If you don't want to, that is on you, okay? That is really what the Lord is saying. Verse 16 verses 16 all the way to verse uh, 19 there the Lord will talk about uh, how he has been rejected by that current generation so let's pick it up here in verse 17 we played the pipe for you and you did not dance we sang a, a dirk and you did not mourn verse 18 for John came neither eating nor drinking and they say he has a demon. Verse 19, the son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. The Lord is teaching that honestly they rejected John the Baptist. They also rejected him, and he's referring to that generation there. And He's really uh, talking about the rejection that he is being faced with. And, um, but wisdom is proved right by her deeds. Well, it, godly wisdom is evidenced by actions. So that is uh, the principle right there. So we move on to verse 20. The Lord will now talk about towns that had rejected him. He had just come uh, from talking about how John the Baptist was rejected. He himself was reject rejected and now he is going to pronounce a curse onto certain towns or villages that had rejected his message. Verse 20 Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Just um what I was saying. Verse 21, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethesda! For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Woe! Ha <laughs> So what's the point? Why did the Lord say, Woe to you, uh, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethesda? Because these were towns or cities, if you will, that he preached to firsthand. They listened to him firsthand. 
they heard firsthand message from Jesus Christ and they rejected him. Unlike the uh, Tyre and Sidon, these cities uh, are discussed in the book of Genesis chapter 18, 19 and Ezekiel chapters 28. The Lord Jesus is saying that, hey, I did not preach first hand to the cities of Tyre, uh, Sidon, yet I preached first hand to you, Bethsaida, and Achorazin, yet you rejected me. And he will go on to pronounce their judgment. Verse 22, but I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyra and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. Why is that? Like I just explained, the Lord Jesus never preached firsthand to the cities of Tyre and Sidon. Remember I said, you can go back to Genesis chapter 18, Ezekiel 28 to learn about these very wicked cities. The Lord is like on the day of judgment, it will be more bearable to the cities of Tyre and Sidon because I did not preach firsthand to them. And now you, Bethsaida and Chorazion, I'm preaching firsthand to you and you are rejecting me. What is the principle? The principle is that those who are exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ firsthand and they reject that, they have a worse condemnation, a worse judgment from God than those who never heard firsthand, but had secondhand knowledge of God. Okay? Again, this is alluding to various levels of judgment for the evil one. Verse 23, and you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Exactly, because the Lord Jesus had preached in Capernaum, the city there, they rejected him. The same concept, first-hand uh, witness, they had the message, but they rejected. They have a greater punishment. The Lord Jesus is like, no, you will go down to hell. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have repent, remained to this day. Whoa. The Lord is like, if Sodom had seen the miracles that I had performed in Capernaum, Sodom would not have been destroyed. Again, pointing to the fact that the cities, the people, the individuals who hear the gospel firsthand from my mouth, from your mouth, from a television preacher, from wherever, and they reject that, they carry a heavier judgment, punishment on the final judgment. So please, we really have to pray for people who are rejecting Christ because hell is real as we see the Lord Jesus talking about it here. Okay, verse 24, but I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. Exactly. It would be more bearable for Sodom because they did not hear the kingdom of God preached firsthand yet because of their wickedness and, and sin, God destroyed them. What about Capernaum? That saw the miracles of Jesus and yet rejected. They have a greater judgment. Okay. Moving on to verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, Jesus is about to pray now to God the Father after he had pronounced this uh, judgment unto these wicked cities. 
verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to the little children. Whoa. This is like a sarcastic statement the Lord Jesus is making that uh, the Lord had hidden these things from the wise and learned. It's not that God hid anything from them. Intentionally, that's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying is that the so-called wise and learned because of their pride, they refused to listen to Jesus Christ. They refused to heed his teachings. They refused to acknowledge him because of spiritual pride but thank god that's what jesus is saying that the lord had revealed them to little children little children here implying those who have a childlike faith those who are humble those whose hearts are open those who recognize their spiritual bankruptcy and their need for god okay um Verse 26, yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. God is after the humble. Again, we see a principle here. When we open our hearts to God, God reveals more of himself to us. Okay? When we, are, when we are prideful, we shut God down. Verse 27, the Lord Jesus uh, continued here with his prayer. All things have been committed to me by my father. Obviously, that is self-explanatory. No one knows the son except the father. And no one knows the father except the son and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. Hallelujah. You have to read this verse in light of... Of the cross of Jesus and his resurrection. What am I talking about? Before this, the Lord Jesus had not died. He had not been resurrected. The Holy Spirit had not come to reveal Christ to us. But, uh, but today, this verse is still applicable. But it is God, the Holy Spirit, that reveals Christ to us. And, um, and Christ in us reveals God the Father to us. Okay, so keep that in perspective. There, verse uh, 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Verse 30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is such a popular verse. I was listening to a preacher once out of a Christian radio station and the preacher said that he knows a Muslim, a former Muslim, who was studying the scriptures and read these verses about the Lord and that was enough to convict him and he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior because in Islam, the yoke is quite heavy. So when he heard this from the Lord, he was intrigued and his heart was open and he received Jesus Christ. Powerful. So, so what is the Lord referring to here about, about the yoke? The yoke, uh, you could describe the yoke 
as as an object that would be attached to the shoulder blades of an oxen and then the oxen would be required to pull farming equipment with this yoke in essence during this time uh, during the first century there in and in the jewish agriculture the yoke was a very popular object that was attached to oxen okay and the oxen would help the jewish people during their famine so just just imagine an oxen which is an, an animal and a yoke is attached to the shoulder blades and then and then this oxen is supposed to pull farming equipment using this yoke that is the physical uh, picture so in essence just imagine a heavy object but spiritually the yoke here represent like a spiritual burden and a, a, a spiritual oppression or suppression something that is weighing you down something that is is just really causing you stress worry fear anxiety that is really what a yoke represents spiritually okay and sometimes uh yokes come into people's life due to sin mm -hmm, and disobedience so in the same way that a yoke was was an heavy object that is attached to the uh, shoulders of an oxen and then and then it it helps the oxen to pull the farming equipment likewise sin mm -hmm, disobedience fear anxiety are heavy spiritual yokes in our hearts and souls that really drain us from energy that that steals the joy of the lord from us that 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 prevents us from just living a blessed fulfilled life the lord jesus is like come to me all you who are weary and burdened and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me the lord jesus is gentle mm-hmm he said, come to me. I am the one who can give you rest. I am the one who can take away that heavy burden of oppression in your heart. I am the one that can help you to overcome sin. I am the one who can help you to overcome fear and worry. Come to me. He said, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So today, in the name of Jesus, what are your spiritual yokes? Mm -hmm. Is it fear of the unknown? Is it is it sin? Are you practicing sin? Do you have hidden secrets? The Lord is like, come to me. Let me help you with that. Or are you an unbeliever? Or are you someone that you're trying to impress God with your good works? God says, come to me. I love you unconditionally. Don't try to impress me. I already love you. Just receive my love for you. Don't seek for peace. Receive peace. Don't seek for joy. Receive joy as your minds are steadfast upon me. Come to me. Let me help you with these burdens. Don't do life alone. Come to me. Let me give you true meaning and purpose in your life. That's what the Lord Jesus is saying. So let me ask you again. 
What are your spiritual yokes? Have you considered to turn them over to the Lord? He is willing. He is ready. Father God, we thank you for your such a good God that you're always ready to help us. Okay? And that brings us to the end of that chapter. And you know, I just want to pray for the Holy Spirit is speaking to my heart right now. I just want to pray for somebody out there listening to me who is struggling with fear and anxiety. The Lord said, come to me. Cast all your worries to me. Bring them to me. I want to help you. Don't carry all that. It's too much for you. Don't get sick. Don't die before your time. It's not necessary. I am here to help you. Whoever I'm talking to right now, wherever you are, just call upon God. Call upon the Lord Jesus and say, God, I need help. Take away this burden from me. Give me clarity of mind. Let your rest, let your peace resonate in my soul. God has listened to your cry. And right now, by faith, I believe he is speaking to your heart. And his peace and love and joy are taking root in your soul. Father God, we thank you. For you are a God who is ever-present. We call upon you right now, Father God. Let your peace saturate our souls. Let your strength fill us and strengthen us. Father, we thank you for your such a good God. Just because we've called upon you, you are with us. You're always with us. You shall never leave or forsake us. We just welcome your presence. We receive you. Father God, I thank you for all of the listeners. I thank you that your peace goes before them. Your joy is your portion today. Your faces are just shining with the joy and the love of God. Father, we thank you. And in the name of Jesus, everybody says, Amen. We hope you have been encouraged and blessed by today's lesson. And as the Lord said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So true. The Lord is always willing. So be certain to cast all of your burdens to him today and walk in his blessings. I am Chris Horam. Stay blessed. Goodbye for now.